Join us now for Education Matters, a weekly look at the real people and real stories in education across North Carolina. Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm Keith Poston. We're actually broadcasting live today from the 2018 Emerging Issues Forum, and I have the director of the Institute for Emerging Issues, Leslie Boney, joining us to talk about why we're all here today. Thanks for being here. Thanks for letting me on. All right, well, the, the, the theme of this conference is kidonomics. Now, uh, you and I both have children going off to college, so is kidonomics something that we can figure out just how broke we're about to be? Is that what kidonomics is? What we're trying to do, honestly, is to set more children up to be ready to go off to college at the end of the process or go directly into the workforce. And the belief is that in order to do that, we've got to start investing early and the economics are that that pays off later for us, both in terms of maybe some kids getting scholarships, but more importantly, being able to be productive in the workforce and being able to support us in our old age. Right, exactly, well that, that's a good thing. Well, I mean, the Institute for Emerging Issues has been around uh, for a long time. The, uh, you always focus on what are the most critical issues uh, you know, facing North Carolina. This is the second year that you've actually really, really honed in on the early childhood and not just education but everything is it is it really that foundational I mean it seems like it, it's it's common sense but is it is it really that foundational yeah, this is the first time we've ever done a topic for two consecutive years okay 31 years and the belief is that right now is a moment in time there's an opportunity for some reason right now we have the philanthropic sector that believes in and cares about this issue we have the business sector that says this is a huge issue we have educators that think this is important. We have a legislator, uh, legislature that's committed to third grade reading, so they think it's really important. And we think that if we all pull together right now, we can make a huge difference in this field that's been neglected for a while. And it does feel like it is a moment in time, right? I mean, particularly in this, in this political environment, things are so polarized. This does seem to be um, some common ground. I think there's an opportunity. We've always had a history of bipartisanship when it comes to early childhood education. Now, the funding that comes with that hasn't always been the same, and, right. and agreeing on exactly where that funding should go. But right now, with all this agreement, we think that there's a potential, there's a birth through three commission, birth through third grade commission that's working to align state agencies. Then there's the uh, pathways to early childhood learning that's working on trying to align everyone else. And we think that Here's the opportunity, here's so, the chance. So you got about 800 people here. Um, what do you hope to, for them to leave after the two days of the forum? I want them to understand the economics of early childhood, that both brain science and economics seem to be proving and documenting and showing that we can make a real difference if we invest early, and that will pay off for us later. Right. And then we want them to have a clear sense of some steps that they can take to move this idea forward. Great. Thanks so much for being here, we're, and we're excited to be here at the Forum. Looking forward to talking to a lot more of your uh, uh, guests today. So thanks a lot, Leslie. Thanks. We're really pleased to be joined with uh, two special guests right now. We have, uh, to my left here, I got Brenda Howerton. Brenda is the a county commissioner in Durham, but she is also the president of the North Carolina Association of County Commissioners. Next to her, Mark Richardson. Mark is the chairman of the Rockingham County Commission. We wanted to have you both on because this whole notion of early learning, investing in children, really does, um, a lot of this happens at the local level. Um, so talk to me, I guess, about some of the opportunities um, that you see in Durham and also some of the challenges that you're dealing with right now. 
Well, early education is at the level of county government, which is the level of government that's closest to the people. So we touch children's lives, we touch teachers, administrators, and the challenges is always around funding and making sure that we have adequate um, teachers, adequate buildings, all of that that is necessary to make sure our children are educated. And the challenge is always funding. Right. Now, you, you mentioned educators, uh, uh, Commissioner Richardson. The, uh, a lot of folks, we always talk about teacher pipeline. We're always talking about K through 12. But early educators, I mean, that's a real critical need too, right? It's, it's huge. And uh, I've been part of the Head Start program as well as the Smart Start program. It's very difficult to get uh, highly qualified teachers and keep them at the wages that we are restricted to pay. Uh, and it's going to be an ongoing problem to get enough preschool teachers to fill all the gaps that exist now. And certainly if we enhance our program by adding four-year-old, for example, it's going to be a huge problem. Now, one of the things that, we, that I know is being talked about at the, uh, at the forum today is about uh, public-private partnerships and also scale. I mean, I'm guessing that local uh, local government in Rockingham County, no different than uh, local government in Durham County, you don't have a lot of extra money laying around. So how, I mean, how important is that mix of partnerships between state, federal, and also the private sector? It's imperative. It's imperative that we have the collaboration between federal, state, local, and the business community. There's one entity can't do it alone. It's gonna take all of that to lift our children right. so that we have a successful workforce going forward. Because if we, if we, if kids keep sliding backward, we're not gonna have the workforce that we need. We're not gonna have our children successful to go on to college and have successful careers. Right. Rockingham County, what are you focused on right now? What, what are you trying to do? Are you looking at the, the kids who aren't served, or are you looking at strengthening the program? Sort of what's the, the landscape? Well, we're looking for new initiatives, basically. We, we have a strong Smart Start and Head Start program, but that covers less than half of the youngsters uh, that are coming forth. In our county, about 1,000 kids per year uh, are born, and they're eventually going to be moving through the system, plus or minus, obviously, on that case. Uh, and I think we have some choices for parents, but most of the choices require parents to ante up out of their own pocket. And that's a very significant hardship for many of them. So this really, uh, and this, I think this is what's interesting, and one of the reasons I wanted to have the, the two of you on, I should point, you're an elected Republican, elected Democrat, I'm right. Um, but we are both on the same page when it comes about that this is something that there is a role for the federal government, the state government that really to, to make this happen, right? Yes. You know, as the president of the State Association right. of Counties, that's 100 counties, and we work very well together, Republicans, Democrats, Independents, because it's a really about our counties having what they need to be successful, and it starts with our children. Right. Thoughts on that? Yes, I have some very strong thoughts. Uh, I'm actually chairman of the steering committee for the North Carolina Association of County Commissioners on Public Education. Okay. And you won't be surprised to learn, and uh, Brenda can tell you, all counties are extremely interested at the commissioner level, and by and large, they collaborate well, notable exceptions, with the various school boards. 
this is an issue that we've got to deal with if we want to keep our youngsters competitive, not only in this country, but internationally. Because internationally, there's a lot of movement towards preschool, or what we would call preschool. Right. Uh, the whole child syndrome, that yeah. your Thrive program. Right. Yeah. Well, we're going to be talking yeah. about whole child a lot on today. But look, I appreciate both of y'all spending some time with me today. Uh, uh, enjoy the rest of the forum, and thank you for what you do in your uh, in your homes and for the state. Thank, thank you so you. much. Thank Our you. Pleasure. Very honored to be joined by the governor of North Carolina, Governor Roy Cooper. Governor, thank you for being here today. Glad to be here. Chief. Well, you, you just got through speaking to a, a very enthusiastic crowd, a lot of people here um, talking about early childhood issues. When you ran for governor, you talked about a lot about early childhood and pre-K. We've made some progress uh, over the last year, but we've got a lot of work to do. What's, uh, sort of what are your priorities? Study after study has shown that early childhood education and pre-K provides a quantifiable, demonstrable difference as kids go into kindergarten and begin to learn in public schools. Our workforce is going to have to have a more well-trained, higher-skilled workforce than years to come. So we've seen CEOs of big companies go to the legislature to say, we have to have more pre-K slots. We have to invest in early childhood. It's a good return on the money because if you talk to most any kindergarten teacher, they can tell you they, they know the difference can, between absolutely. kids who have had pre-K and early childhood and those who have not. One teacher told me that one could not even hold a pencil. So we have to invest and we have to make sure that it's a priority in our budget. And speaking of priorities in the budget, I mean, we talk about public-private partnerships and they're important. But pre-K is one of those things, I mean, from a scale perspective, I mean, this is really something the state needs to step up, right? There, there's no doubt about it. I mean, we've got less than 25% of our kids enrolled in pre-K. We've got a waiting list of kids for the slots that we already have, but we need even more pre-K. Yeah, and that waiting slots. list is a little bit misleading it, it because- It's misleading because uh, there aren't enough spaces across our state to handle the number of kids that we need to put into pre-K. So this is going to be a tremendous investment. We're going to need the business community to step up to help us through this and to say to the legislature, this is a priority. We have to do this in order to make sure that our workforce is, is prepared because businesses today are telling me that workforce is the number one issue. It's more important than taxes or, or anything else that they deal with. If we don't have the skilled people, they won't bring the jobs here. Right. And that's critical. I've heard you mention before, and it's not just preparing the future workforce, early childhood education is important to our current workers who have families, right? No doubt, no doubt. And you know what we need to try to do is to make sure that these kids are, are that there's affordable housing for them, that there's health care for them, that we understand that there is an opioid crisis. So there's a lot facing these kids right. and these families of these kids, and we need to help. 
Right. It's critical. Right, and you mentioned that this, this conference, the Emerging Issues Forum, isn't just about education, but it is about the, uh, the healthcare and, right. and investing in children and, early. And you know, we can do things like expand Medicaid and, and draw down billions of federal dollars, and we're working with the General Assembly on ways that we can do that. We need to have more people covered with, with healthcare. We need to make sure that the child health insurance program is fixed and that kids are covered. Uh, you you got to be healthy to start with, and we know that these are challenges that the state has to step up to, and we need to make sure that we've got the tax base to do it, and I'm telling businesses that if you go to the General Assembly, we don't need to raise taxes, but what we do have to do is stop <laughs> tax giveaways to the wealthiest among us. Uh, I think our corporate tax is the lowest in the Southeast. We don't need to worry about that being an economic driver, so we don't have to continue lowering that because what you're doing is providing less funding for teacher salaries, right. for pre-K slots, and the other things we've been talking about today. Well, you mentioned the actual slots. We need funding for that. We also need space. I, I heard you talk in your remarks just a few minutes ago that you've been talking to school superintendents and they're concerned about the impact this um, K-3 class size mandate is having on them overall, but it's also affecting um, early childhood. Well, the legislature has mandated a smaller class size for grades K through three, and that sounds good on paper, but when you don't pay for it, it can create chaos, because what school systems are having to do is to order more mobile classrooms, they're having to pull teachers out of pre-K and out of fourth through eighth grade, and put them in K through three, that's creating a larger class size. They're eliminating arts classes and music classes and computer classes and PE classes. Parents are extremely upset. The legislature needs to step up and fund it. They also need to look at a way to phase this in instead of just dumping it on the school system right now. They've already admitted that they hadn't paid for it with the delay last year. Right. So now, let's fix it. Right. Well, that sounds like a good place to stop. We've got a lot, we've got a lot of uh, things happening here today, but let's hope that we can get some bipartisan agreement so. to get that fixed. So. So. Well, thanks for stopping by. Thanks we appreciate it. Yes, yeah, sir. Thank you. Thank you. We've got two business leaders here in North Carolina joining us to talk about early learning and early childhood. I've got Vanessa Harrison. Vanessa is the president of AT&T North Carolina and Jim Hansen, regional president for PNC Bank. Thank you both for being here. Now, I got a question I mean, for, for, for businesses getting involved in early childhood. Now, a lot of times you talk about it's a, it's a workforce issue. Now we're talking about four-year-olds. Is it? Is uh, do we need to get started that early? Is that when, is that uh, how critical it is? Absolutely, I believe that it is critical because a child that is not reading proficiently by fourth grade are four times as likely to drop out of high school. Um, on the other hand, ninth graders that are um, reading proficiently by third grade are three times as likely to graduate from high school and to go on to college. So um, we're looking at workforce um, beyond 2020. Okay. So yes, we have to get started early to predict our future and close the skills gaps 
that we see um, that will extend beyond 2020. Now you just talked about reading proficiency and literacy. It seems like um, the business community you've really coalesced around that and, and, I, and I would say you've actually helped sort of push that issue forward. I mean, sort of how did that come about as far as literacy being the, the issue? Most definitely, so if you look at third grade reading numbers and statistics, the proficiency to read by third grade is an indicator for future success. It helps uh, organizations and counties forecast future needs and so we realize that that number and helping children get to that reading proficiency by third grade is really a, a great indicator of uh, the quality of early education. Right. Now we just we just spoke to the governor a few minutes ago, and you know we've the, the, a lot of discussion to, uh, today is about public and private partnerships. But um, as business leaders, you obviously recognize sort of the, the the state role, right? I mean, are you having conversations with legislators? Is that part of what you're doing in terms of talking about the importance of this? Absolutely. Um, last year, and you heard the governor reference that. A group of business leaders made visits to his office as well as to the General Assembly um, to discuss pre-K, the importance of it, and to make a request that um, we can get additional fundings to increase access to pre-K. Um, and we were very successful in partnering with them um, because pre-K is a form of, and it, and it actually aligns with the Read to Achieve program. Right. So as a result of our collaboration in the public-private partnership, we were able to get um, another 3,000, um, actually it was 3,500 um, new positions in right. pre-K. New slots for like, yes, for additional slots. kids. Yes. And that's one thing we talk about is that the, the, the slots sometimes are, it's almost a little misleading because North Carolina has one of the lower percentages of, of kids in, in roles. So I'm, I assume that's a priority. We really do need to have that, that scale. It's something that really, I mean, PNC Bank, you, you guys are very generous at AT&T with the community, but you're, you're not, you can't fund uh, tens of thousands of pre-K slots. That's right, and it's uh, and what we realize is when you when we opened those slots last year, we opened 1,700 new slots. There were 6,000 applications, and so there is you can't even, you really can't even look at the wait list. That's not the underlying number. We know the demand is out there, and as more slots come to bear, uh, the demand is out in, in counties across North Carolina for the pre-K slots. Now your your employees obviously look at what your companies are investing in. Do you get good feedback on this? Do they, I mean, do they get it as as, as parents? Absolutely. Um, AT and T has a long history of um, supporting education programs. We believe in the policies and in the goals and programs that the state has defined here in North Carolina, and that is partly because North Carolina actually has the number one ranked uh, pre K program. However, um, we're only 41st in getting access Get, Actually to getting that. to so yes. we need to build on that. So yes, AT&T is um, always excited to partner with nonprofits and um, even with our public policy makers in helping to achieve the goal that we need to ensure that all third graders are reading proficiently. Right, well we appreciate y'all taking, Jim, do you have another final no, comment on that? I say, you know, both, both of our companies are invested for the long term for North Carolina and that's why we care so deeply about this and our employees see that and our employees are part of the fabric of the state too. Right, well we appreciate what y'all are doing. Thanks for being here on the show and, and, for, and for really for your investments in North Carolina, we appreciate Thank it. You. Thank, Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Vanessa. Thank you.
Well, we're now joined by uh, Secretary Mandy Cohen. Dr. Mandy Cohen is the Secretary of the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services. Thanks for being here. Of course, thanks for having me. So you just spoke to the crowd, uh, and one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show today is because we've been talking a lot about the educational aspect of early childhood as a physician and as someone who's focused on health. Tell me about the, sort of how important the health part of it is. Yeah, well this was a great discussion that we just had here at the conference. And what I was focusing on is um, the continuum of, of services and the life of, of children from the fact that we have to think about their health the fact that they need to be safe and nurtured, and the fact that we want to make sure that they're um, learning and ready to succeed uh, in school. And so really thinking about how do we bring all those aspects together in one, and that starts with, with, with data and measurement uh, for us, and it's also about bringing the streams of work across our department and across really many of our stakeholders together in one coordinated um, action plan, and we're thinking about that right now at the department. When, you, when we think about uh, child well-being and the issues of child health across North Carolina, is there, is there one thing or one or two of the sort of the big things right now that your department and that you're focused on? I mean, I mean, is it, is it hunger? Is it uh, um, early, you know, sort of uh, prenatal care? I mean, what, sort of what is sort of some, some of the keys? Yeah, it's so hard to isolate just one, okay. of course, because um, there, there are, you know, different families and different kids need different things. Um, but what I would say is we do have a focus now on really understanding um, what kids are experiencing in their life related to trauma. Um, and adverse childhood experiences. And for me, as a, I'm an internist, that means I take care of adults generally, but in learning some of the, the, the evidence around diabetes and heart disease and obesity and how that is linked right. to adverse childhood experiences and the more you have, and it could be anything from divorce to a parent with substance abuse to experiencing a, a, a physical um, abuse as, as a child. Um, that that though you know a cumulative effect of that right. really does impact someone's long-term health, and then obviously impacts whether a, a, a child's going to be ready to school, ready for school and ready to learn. Right. So we want to really be understanding this in a different way, and I think this is about children's health, and it very much is, and making sure we have good data around that. But it's also about family health. Right. Mom's right. Health, dad's health, and that family resiliency, and that is a place where we need a lot more. Work. Right. Now, one of the things that um, I've heard at the conference today is that North Carolina is number one in the country in terms of quality of pre-K, but I believe we're 41st in access. Your department has a, you know, you're involved in NC pre-K, so sort of, I mean, is it just, is it funding? I mean, is it, is it, uh, is it space? Is it sort of, what, what are, what's the reason why we have this sort of disconnect between, we have this great work but we have way too many children who don't have access to it. Yes, and so we were happy to partner with the General Assembly to get 3,000 new pre-K slots, which we rolled out. But even in our process of asking um, folks across the state, hey, do you want these new slots? There were a number who said, I'm sorry, I just can't handle that, either because I can't recruit the teachers I need, either from pay reasons or just the pipeline isn't there. I don't have the space um, or I, I don't have the, the local match dollar. So I think it can't isolate any one of the three, but we are definitely keeping our eye on all three of, of those um, sort of in combination, and I will say, we've also been hearing from certain, particularly the public school area, saying, you know what, I have to worry about this upcoming class size. 
Right. Mandate. Well, we've been hearing the same. We, we talked about that earlier yeah. with another guest. I'm going to have to revisit what what can I really afford in terms of supporting pre-K, and we don't want to take a step backwards in that. And I know Representative Horn and Senator Barefoot, who we were just on the mm -hmm. panel with, I know they share that. And I think that's encouraging, right? I mean, we are between the the, the B3 Interagency Council, yeah, your department, the Department of Public Instruction, uh, Secretary Johnson, I mean Superintendent Johnson. There does seem to be some bipartisan um, collaboration going on, which is good. We need it. Yes, absolutely. I think they've been champions and, um, in the General Assembly helping us move forward. We're trying to do the good execution work um, to make those, those programs come to life. And I think that the B3 Council started off in a great way. They, 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 they used their first meeting to really look at, at science and the, science, the brain science and then look at some of the evidence-based practices. I think that's exactly the right way right. to start foundationally and then to move from there. Well, it sounds like we're heading in the right direction. I thank you for your work and for being here. And I thank you, our viewers, for watching us. We appreciate the Institute for Emerging Issues for inviting us on site today. Had a lot of great guests and we'll see you next week. Thanks a lot.